With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lockdown 23 and 1 is what they say. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another video. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true prison horror stories. This is something a bit different than I normally do but I've always wanted to cover this topic, so I hope you'll enjoy them. Joining me today is my good friend, Nightmare Files. If you enjoy disturbing stories and countdowns, you'll enjoy their channel. Anyways, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true prison horror stories that'll creep you out tonight. And if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Hey Swamp Dweller, I've been debating on sending my story in since it contains some sensitive information, but you have been so good with others about anonymity, so I trust you. I am a 27-year-old guy, and I work as a correctional officer at a maximum security prison. I am an ADSEG officer, which means I watch over the inmates who are too dangerous to be in the general population. I have received extensive weapons training as well as hand-to-hand -hand combat training so I'm accustomed to getting physical if the situation calls for it, and it often does. This story took place about eight months ago. We received a new inmate from a transfer, and he was a small Hispanic man that had ties to a drug cartel. Within hours of him arriving, he had tried to attack another officer and myself. We handled the situation by only using as much force as we needed to to control him. Once in handcuffs, he began ranting in Spanish which I'm not fluent in, but the other officer was, and I could tell he did not like what he was hearing. We got the guy back to his cell, and I asked what he had been saying. My co-worker was told that he had seen our names on our badges, and his guys on the outside would find us. Honestly, that's a common threat. I laughed it off and continued my day without giving it a second thought. A few weeks went by with nothing out of the ordinary. A fight here, a stabbing there, usual prison stuff. But one evening, I was on my way to work when my mother called me and said a guy she did not know had stopped by looking for me. Working in a prison, you learn to tell family never to mention you to strangers because rarely it's an ex-inmate looking for revenge. So, she said she had told the man he had the wrong house and to leave, which he did. I told her to keep me informed and be careful. So I got to work and did my rounds when the Hispanic man called me to a cell. I always try to be casual with the inmates and only be a jerk when I must be, so I walked over and asked, Hey, what's up, man? Did your mom like her visitor today? He responded, I just stared at him. This isn't good, I thought. Might want to hurry home to that pretty blonde wife and little girl officer. It can be dangerous all alone at night, he said from behind the door. Without thinking, I used my emergency key to unlock the door and threw it open. I can tell on his face that he didn't expect that. 
I walked into the cell and shut the door behind me. After that, it was just me and him. Don't ever talk about my family, I said through clenched teeth. He put his hands up and back towards his bed without saying anything. I left the cell and immediately went to my sergeant and told him what happened, and I needed to make a call home. He allowed me to, and I told my wife to pack some clothes and our daughter and go to a hotel. If he knew where my mom lived, then he must know where we live as well. I told my sergeant I was leaving and headed home. When I got there, I noticed a man peeking into our living room through the blinds. He turned toward my car, and he was exposed by my headlights, but he did not seem to care. As I got out, I saw him pull a pistol out of his waistband and ask, Are you an officer? Sure am, and the cops are already on their way, so just leave. He stood and said something in Spanish before raising his gun and firing. Luckily, I could dive behind my car and avoid the bullets. I can't carry a gun in prison, but I sure could on the streets. I always had a Springfield 1911 in my car. I snatched it from underneath the driver's seat and had never been so glad that I did not shut the door. I had been counting his shots, and when he hit six, I heard him drop a casing on my driveway. He had a revolver. I didn't see that before. I stood up, raised my weapon, and ordered him to stop and drop his and put his hands up. Instead, he reached down to his ankle, where I saw he had a concealed ankle holster for another small pistol. I fired twice at center mass and hit both times directly. He fell quickly and began screaming. Around that time, I heard the police sirens coming since my sergeant had called the police for me as I left the prison. It shocks me that I even had to shoot him, and the ambulance took him away eventually, and he was still alive, but I'm not really sure what happened to him in the end. I found out later that the guy in prison was high up in a cartel and had put a hit on us that day. So, he was transferred the next day, and I quit that day. We have since moved very far away from that area, and have done what we can to stay low if someone comes back. I got some pretty good protection from the state government and FBI hiding our tracks, but I'm still pretty paranoid. Thanks for sharing if you do, and it was nice to talk about it. So this just happened to me recently. I work at a prison here in America and I've seen a lot of shit. From having to do CPR on a man that hung himself and no one noticed for an hour to seeing a dude cut his dick off. But just the other day, we had something that will stick with me forever. It was just a normal day as normal as a prison can be, that is. I had come in early for some overtime and the first shift was going on fine. I had come in for some overtime and the first shift was going fine for the most part. Shift change was happening and I had been moved to a first responder on the yard. I went to switch my gear and let central control know. But then all of a sudden I hear, I need ERTs in the wood shop. Two inmates fighting. Now mind you, I've been in these situations more times than I can count. The oddity being that this is the wood shop where nothing ever happens. So I start running down to the wood shop. Halfway down I hear over the radio, We need a gurney. So I run faster, passing my other first responder, who was grabbing a gurney. I kept pushing my way to the wood shop. I run into the door. My sergeant motions to me that there is someone over by the desk. I couldn't really see, so I walk over to the desk. This is the most hunting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was burned into my memory. A man sitting on the ground, covered head to toe in blood, is looking right at me with the most fearful expression I've ever seen. His eyes were so wide. God, those eyes. I immediately ripped open my ERT bag and took the cloth out and wrapped his head yelling, 
I need tiles. Someone get me tiles so I can apply pressure. No, I know who this inmate is, so I immediately call him by his name. And he looks at me. Then I tell him to say where he was at. So I can get an idea of how much shit is going on in his head. This man couldn't say a word. We get the tiles and my other co-worker had finally brought the gurney down. And we put him on it. I'm noticing a lot of damage to this man. His ears torn, puncture wounds to his head, a broken arm, and his head was concave. We get him upstairs to EMS where I notified my lieutenant that I'll be riding with him in the ambulance. I spent the next seven hours with this kid, being stapled together, seeing the damage done to his brain and so on. The doctor said that the area of his brain that was damaged was that of speech, meaning that if he pulls through, he'll likely never speak again. I later found out the details. Apparently, another inmate beat him over the head with a 15-pound metal bar clamp 13 times and stabbed him with a sharpened screwdriver six times. I watched the camera footage and it was brutal. Today I saw his mother and told her what I did. She cried and said, you might have saved my son's life. Thank you so much. This kid is still in a coma and might die. I've seen my fair share of weird things like I said, but I would never get the look on that kid's face out of my mind. It will haunt me for the rest of my life. I am a prison officer, not a storyteller, so this may be either long and tedious or full of information that's irrelevant. I'm also on my phone, so sorry for the formatting and spelling. We start our nights at approximately 8pm and are locked in until the following morning at 6am. It's essentially a skeleton crew and several hundred prisoners secured behind their doors. This week has been the most activity that I have ever experienced and many of my colleagues who worked there have had spooky happenings as well. I'm not really a believer per se, however, a lot of creepy, unexplained stuff has been happening recently, especially at night, that I have no choice but to begin to believe when it's all added up together. I'll start with some personal backstories and experiences and then this week's activity. At night, we usually patrol two linked wings, as there's no need to have staff patrolling each wing when the prisoners are asleep. There is a wing that I believe is haunted. On the third floor landing, when cutting in, it really freaks me out, and I used to cut through there. Now, I, I just feel cold and watched, and I try to avoid it at all cost. I go the long way to access that landing, if I must answer a call bell. It's the same on the first floor landing, on that same wing. As you come down the stairs, and turn to carry on the patrol, there's another horrible, oppressive feeling of being followed that gives me the heebie-jeebies. On multiple occasions, I have had emergency cell bells used by prisoners to alert staff to an emergency go off in cells that are completely empty. Random doors slam when all the doors apart from the toilet, staff room, and the office doors are locked in apparent reasons, and foe. I've seen movement on CCTV cameras when I'm on my own. I've never actually seen it in person. I've also heard things. However, anyone who has either been in a prison or worked in one will tell you they are noisy even at night. I have never said anything about this to my colleagues because being a prison officer dealing with hardened criminals and being spooked by nothing is a surefire way to get, you know, the piss taken out of you. This week, I was not on this wing and was a member of staff 
that walked around supporting the patrolling team. I accidentally spooked a patrol on a random wing as they didn't hear me, and I made a joke, and when I did this, they did say that they saw a ghost, and we talked about ghosts and stuff, and naturally, the subject of this wing came up. My face must have said it all, because they said, don't tell me, floor three, as you cut through there and go to floor one, when you come off the stairs, that you get this spooky feeling that there's like somebody watching you. This sent shivers down my spine. It was incredibly spooky that someone else had felt the same exact sensation, but also a bit relieving that it was just not me who feels it. I carried on with my rounds, chatted to people, and talked about my good jump scare in our chat. It turns out that many people who work in prisons believe in ghosts after working night shifts. One of the patrols told me that they almost called me to sit with them as they heard a loud bang, as though it was a cell door slamming shut. They all went and investigated, and none of them found a thing. They just sat back down, and it went off again. This spooked them very much. We began talking about how it's just absolutely weird that ghosts have been mentioned, and then those things kind of happen. He then had his own story about the wing. Not only do I think this place is haunted, but I think it's also something that fuels violence. One day, one of the metal security gates slammed shut behind this guy on the third floor landing as he was cutting through one night. Now, having worked on this wing, that gate doesn't move on its own. It's incredibly heavy, let alone slam behind anyone on its own accord. We laughed about being blokes and scared of shadows, and I cracked on with seeing the next person. I must go through a wooden door and a metal gate to access them. It's pitch black, and I don't have my torch. So I open the wooden door and the metal gate and step in to look for the light switch so I can see and lock the door and the gate behind me. The wooden door slams shut directly behind me and with considerable force. I jump. It wasn't a windy night and we were indoors so no breeze or anything. Let me tell you, I have never ever seen doors shut that fast and that hard ever in my life and I've never gotten out of there ever so quickly. I spend my rounds talking about the ghost and seeing what everyone's stories are, and there are some exciting stories. Still, everyone I speak to talks about this haunted wing, and either the third floor landing or the first floor landing. I had spoken to six different staff and they all said the same thing by this point. That's too much of a coincidence for me. I finally got onto the haunted wing, and I'm talking to the patrol who has all the lights on for whatever reason, I can only assume that he felt scared and I swear I see someone moving on the cameras, on the first floor walking towards us. Before I can even go down and see where they are, apparently this figure disappeared from the camera screen, and when I got there, there was nobody even there. There was nothing there, and nothing on the playback. So, insane. I hope you enjoyed my ramblings. My colleagues have given me many stories I may send in one day on the show if you enjoyed it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So a few years ago, I worked in a military prison. 
Our hours were 24-hour shifts that consisted of shared downtime, sleep time, between the change. One half stays awake and the other half sleeps, then switches halfway through the night. I've been working at this prison for quite some time, and I was currently working in our special quarters. Our special quarters was just a long loop with all the cells inside the circle. Every 15 minutes, I must do a health and comfort check and walk by each cell to make sure the inmates are alive and healthy. Every cell has a security light, so even at nighttime, the cells are never genuinely black so that we can see inside at all times. I remember one particular inmate was in a certain quarters because he was mentally not all there. His favorite thing to do was draw, scream all day, pee outside the cell, and sleep. One day, we had to do a cell extraction on him because he was clawing at his gums with his fingernails and using the blood from them to draw symbols all over his cell wall. Medical was looking at him on the spot while I went through the cell to check for contraband. Looking through his drawings, he would always make some sort of childlike sketches of him playing games with his brother and a creepy shadow, silhouette person. It was like something straight out of a movie. His name was over the drawings of himself, his brother over his, and Dark One over the shadowy figure. Cheesy, I know. While looking through these drawings, he looked at me and said, He doesn't like you being in there. I suddenly felt the hair raise on my arms and I walked right out. Keep in mind, inmates regularly tell me this weird type of stuff, and it never really bothers any seasoned officer, except this one time. Fast forward a couple of weeks, it's probably around 2am, and I'm awake while my partner is asleep. During every 15 minute check, I notice every cell's security light was on, uh, as average. Otherwise, I would have to write and report about it. I was sitting in the tiny cell we used for our food, for the day eating when I suddenly heard this deafening screaming. I could not make out what the screaming was or whatever language it was, but my arm hairs raised and I knew that I had to find the source. As I was running to find it, every inmate was sound asleep, but what caught my attention was the strange inmate security light was out. There is no way they could have been able to mess with the lights. The way that they were installed made that practically impossible. I quickly yelled to the officers in the other bays if they had heard the screaming, thinking that maybe it came from one of their bays. Not a single other officer heard the screaming. I was the only one that did that night. Since that day, I have always requested never to be posted in there again. However, it was one of the most sought out after posts. I am a 21-year-old male. It was 4th of July, 2019. I live in Kansas in the United States. I worked as a corrections officer at a maximum security prison on the night shift. I oversaw the cell house, the maximum general population, one man to a cell. This is where murders, rapists, and overall the worst of society were housed. Before work, I was doing the typical American 4th of July thing. Grilling, blowing up fireworks, having a beer or two, having a great time with my wife and family. My wife kept telling me I needed to just call in sick and take the day without pay. I said no because we were a bit behind on bills. I wish I had listened to her now. As the night went on, it came time for us to leave my mom's house and for me to go and get ready for work. 
I took my wife home, dropped her off, and got ready and left for work. Unfortunately, my wife's car broke down, so she was stuck at home for the night. As I drove to work, which was about an hour's drive away, I watched the fireworks going off. It was sad as I never had to work 4th of July before. After getting to work and getting all my equipment on, I got into the cell house, business as usual. Inmates were showered and locked up. I got my night cleaning crew out so they could clean the rest of the cell house and met up with my partner for the night in the officer station to get our briefing from the last shift. Fast forward an hour into my dress, so it's now around probably 12.30 a.m. or so. Another officer came into the cell house, so there were three of us. It would often happen at night shift, as there was nothing to do except rounds every half hour. Then, we would hear an inmate laughing, like a witch out of nowhere. It was very similar to a witch's cackle. That was strange, but nothing to be too alarmed about. Drugs, unfortunately, are a terrible problem in this facility. It more than likely still is, as far as I know. Eventually, after a few more cackles, I decided to see what was going on and who was making that noise and to see if they were high. I walked through and checked all 200 inmates, and there was nothing. There were a small few that were even awake, so I brushed it off and just went back to the office. My partner and the other officer were asking if anyone was awake and if they needed their cell search. I couldn't think of anyone I suspected of having anything, so I went and checked all the cells again to see if I could get a whiff of smoke or see anything. As I walked on the second story cell run, I found an inmate acting weird. He was in his bed facing the wall, talking kind of gibberish. It was also common as there were a lot of inmates with some minor mental issues. I figured he was probably high because he turned and looked at me and told me to go away. I would leave him alone, but the disrespect made me change my mind. The time now is 12.40am on the 5th of July. I walked back to the office and told the other two officers which cell he was in, and I wanted him to search cell 218. So, how the cell house was laid out is there are 100 cells per level. You can see the north side first and second floor from the officer station, but you can't see the south side unless you walk 50 feet over to it. Picture the movie Shawshank Redemption type cell house, except instead of being able to look through the cells around and across, you will just see a wall. The cells are back to back. As the officers pulled him out of his cell to search it, I went to the ground floor and watched from below. I wanted to get the inmate on the ground level and not the second floor. A handrail was all that was there for protection from going over the edge. I noticed the inmate was taking forever to get out of his cell. Finally, he came out in shorts and a do-rag. This is weird because he wasn't fully clothed and didn't even put sandals on. It was just shorts and a do-rag, but it took five minutes to get out. That made me nervous. The inmate was six foot, 250 pounds, and a very muscle-bound dude. He had size on us, so from the ground, I holler at him and tell him to come down to the ground and that he could use the phone or check his email or commissary. He declined my offer, which honestly never happens. I knew something was up. He was watching them search his cell from the control panel box. This was alarming. They were in his cell. I was on the ground. He could have easily ambushed them. He would have made it to them before I could even get to the stairs. So I, I could even try to keep them safe. So to make sure I could, I went upstairs to the inmate. He was standing in the corner away against the handrails at the top of the stairs. He knew I was the officer in charge of that cell house, 
the OIC, if you will, and he knew I was the one that saw him talking to himself. He asked me why I was having his cell searched. I lied. I said, it's nothing personal, man. I have a quota I must fill. We have to search a couple cells a night. And, unfortunately, you were awake, so I chose to have you searched. It'll just take a second. He was uneasy. He was pacing. Something was not right here. Then, I saw it. He had turned just right, and I saw, in his do-rag, the Samsung logo reflecting the cell house light. I knew there would be a problem as soon as I saw it. This guy had a cell phone. I called over the radio for two additional officers to come to me. The inmate didn't seem to notice I made the call. My supervisors responded saying two of them were on their way. Side note, at this time, only segregation officers had protective vests. So, out of the five of us that were in here right now, only one of us had a vest. And I was not that one. The officers, names changed, South had a vest, McCormick, Collins, Sheffield, and me did not. Time is now 12.58 a.m. As soon as South and McCormick got up to me, I told the inmate to turn around and cuff up. South and McCormick were on the inmate's right side. I was in front of him. Why? He angrily asked me. I refused to give him a reason at first. After a few minutes, I had enough and I told him, Look man, I can see the cell phone in your do-rag. You know you're not supposed to have that. The inmate then gets a defeated look on his face, but the fire in his eyes. His body relaxes, and he slowly reaches to retrieve the phone. But does he pull out a phone? No. Actually, he pulls out a six-inch sharpened metal rod with ripped fabric wrapped around the bottom as a handle. Everything froze for me. I knew I was going to die. Everything starts moving again. I now have an inmate twice my size charging me, thrusting quickly and repeatedly towards me. Oh, crap. That was all I managed to yell. I immediately went into a defensive mode, trying to grab his arm and disarm him. His wrist just kept slipping. I couldn't keep a hold of it, but at least I managed to block his attempts at my lower abdomen. Suddenly, he aimed high and went for my chest. I felt it make contact. I had just been stabbed in the right part of my chest. Spray him. Spray him. I yelled at the top of my lungs. McCormick was already working on spraying the MK9 OC spray. For my military readers, you know what I mean. For others, MK9 comes as a pressured spray bottle of about 20 fluid ounces. You can buy it at camping stores in the United States. It's often called bear spray. It's the stuff that you spray in the eyes of bears and hopefully get away from them. South had come up behind the inmate and grabbed him around the chest and pulled him back right as McCormick sprayed. I didn't realize it at the time, but the spray hit me, the inmate, and South as well as pretty much everyone near us. I was able to turn and run. I ran around the stair railing, past the panel box, and, and out onto the run of cells on the second story. I ran past a few cells and turned around to see he wasn't chasing me. That South was wrestling him to the ground while gagging on the OC, as I and McCormick were as well. Sheffield, having heard the commotion, came running out of the cell, saw what was happening, and ran in to help. The inmate grabbed South by the vest and tried to basically throw him over and off the landing, but South dropped to his knees before he went over. I grabbed my shoulder and Mike and screamed into it. Dispatch said something, but I didn't really hear it. I started to charge back to help save South. Before I could get away from the cell, I was in front of Collins. He grabbed me from behind and told me not to go. Due to the layout of the runs, I didn't see it, 
but Sheffield grabbed the inmate from behind and body slammed him on his face. He began cuffing him. Sheffield got covered in OC as well due to the inmate being covered in it. As soon as Collins let me go, I stood there and just watched. Up the stairs came four more officers, the captain, a lieutenant, the LT, and just about everyone else in between. They asked me what happened. I started to explain, but he cut me off after he saw the blood coming from my left arm. After taking me out of the cell house, he made me lift my shirt, and he saw the blood. He examined all my wounds. He had me remove all my equipment and hold paper towels to my arm. I was rushed to the ER. I was able to grab my phone out of my rental car, which I had totaled my other car a few weeks prior by hitting a deer. I called my wife and told her what happened. She called my parents and siblings. Luckily, my injuries weren't too bad, mainly superficial. I was stabbed four times, once on my left arm just below the elbow. That was a through and through. The blade went in one side and out the other, and twice on the top of my left hand. And then there was one that hit my chest and went into the skin and hit one of my ribs, keeping it out of my lungs. Out of 37 plunges, I think it's safe to say I'm lucky to be here writing this story. I didn't sleep for two days following the event. I still have nightmares almost every single day about it. I'm always paranoid. I openly carry a gun now. After my attack, I was forced to resign for safety reasons. Every state that works with maximum prisons now has vests. None of the people that I even talk to work there anymore. I feel kind of abandoned. They don't even talk to me. I have one guy from that facility that I still see sometimes. My sergeant wasn't there that night. The court is coming soon to add three more attempted murders on the guy. It turns out he was like a shot caller for the Crips gang. If you would like to see the wounds, let me know in the comments. I'll definitely send it into the show. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true prison horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the show. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it helps us out a ton over there. If you enjoyed my good friend Nightmare Files, who narrated story number 2 today, please be sure to check out his channel. You can find the link to do so in the description down below. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but would like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories, no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and potentially giving us a 5-star rating on a podcast platform, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd be delighted to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp Threads. Comment down below letting me know what story tonight was your favorite. I'd love to know. I know how hard it is to pick one. 
Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.